This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, inspirational stories, or announcements, please write us at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Quick announcement, Scholarship Sky, we have a couple more Pay It Forward coupons. For those that don't know what that is, through the generosity of others, people have purchased Scholarships Guides so that you can have one for free. It's called the Pay It Forward campaign. You want to learn more, go up to the top right and uh, click on the Pay It Forward video. Use the coupon Pay It Forward, one word, if you want to try to get one for free. It's only $10 uh, for one year access to the Scholarships Guide. It's a downloadable PDF with a couple of few uh, videos talk about the Scholarships Guide. We're constantly updating it every month. We come out with a new version. Anyway, this uh, podcast this week goes out a little bit late, and I'll tell you why. I just went through recurrent training, and interestingly, uh, had a lot of folks ask me questions about recurrent and what is recurrent and, and why do we do this. Well, First of all, um, I want you to be successful in your recurrent training. And what is recurrent? Every year, um, well, actually, recurrent training uh, includes more than just every year, but recurrent training enables us to go over and review those aspects uh, in flying that we don't normally do out on the line, nor can we do in a, uh, safely and practice safely. It enables us to practice things like emergency procedures, evacuations. We go over things like in, in our flight operations manuals or FOM. We review the different rules, the different rules concerning passengers, dispatching, you know, flying from point A to point B and doing it legally and doing it safely. And uh, it's actually pretty cool because many airlines have a training facility where it incorporates all different work groups. Like, for instance, flight attendants, they have pilots, they have dispatchers there, they even have people that work in the airport that are there. So it's kind of neat to have those people, especially when you you join in in a group discussion uh, in that recurrent training that will allow you to actually uh, interact with a a group that you may not know much about, nor do you understand from their perspective what they're looking at. A great example is this. In an emergency, say, you want to know what the flight attendants are thinking, and the flight attendants want to know what we're thinking. So what they do is they get us up into a group, and they talk about it. They talk about scenarios, uh, emergencies, and they say, hey, you know, what would you do? And and what are you thinking? And so it, it's great because it gives us perspective on, on what's happening with the flight tents and flight tents perspective as to what's happening in the cockpit. The recurrent training is mandated by the FAA. Uh, it makes sure that we can actually perform uh, our duties as pilots. Uh, I'd like to tell people it's basically your ATP check ride, uh, type ride in the airplane all over again, and your your training all over again. If you look at it that way, I, I know people listening say it's not that intense, but if you look at it that way, it's a better way to study for it. So just think you need to know everything and try to overstudy for it. And there's a lot of stuff out there for every airline. They call it the gouge. It's the information that you can get on your recurrent training. I highly recommend you getting some of that, especially on your first one. So I'm going to talk about surviving your first recurrent training, but I really want to also emphasize this is for people that are about to go through recurrent training. A couple horror stories so that uh, you can actually maybe get a little bit motivated and also some, you know, encouragement for those people that haven't successfully uh, made it through recurrent training. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about preparing for your first, your first recurrent training. 
first of all, do this for me. Start early. You can't start early enough. Uh, and to start early, what do I mean by that? About six months prior to your training, if you're new to the airplane, start a good six months prior to your recurrent training because these things are not ingrained in you. And remember, you're out of there on the line. You're not doing things you know, out of habit, road, etc. cetera, uh, is what you're using. One of the things that you'll find when you're on an airplane for a long time, you experience a lot of things that you never saw in training um, because they can't go over everything in training, obviously. You know, they can't go over every single scenario. And you know, systems knowledge is really important. Line knowledge is really important. What's interesting is even in training, the folks that are there that are doing your training, they'll learn something from you because they don't fly the line. They don't see these things happen. They ask us, hey, what happens on the line? What, what really happens out there? Because that is so important to them because they take that knowledge and they incorporate it into the training programs in the future because it allows them to understand what's really happening out there. Because, uh, you know, everybody says, you know, the simulator is the same as the airplane, and it really isn't. It might be 95%. In some cases, you can't simulate certain things. In some cases, you don't want to simulate things in the airplane, uh, like fires and engine failures. Uh, but it, it actually is very, very close to the actual flying. You'll forget that you're even in a simulator. You'll, you'll be like, oh, man, sweating it out uh, while you're in there. A lot of people, <laughs> it's funny, they call it the confessional because uh, when people get into the into the, the box there, into the, into the simulator. They're like, oh, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't study enough. Or, hey, you know, I'm having problems with this. So the real stuff comes out in the simulator. And the reason that comes out is because that's, you know, we have this rapport with the instructors. And, and your instructor is now going to ask you questions that they're probably not going to share outside of that training environment. It's just like your flight instructor. When you started training, you can sit down there with your instructor, your coach, et cetera, and say, hey, listen, I'm having issues with this. Can you help me out? And that's what's really, really important. You know, one of the things, going back to the, as far as what to do is starting early. I want you to review something every single day, something small, you know, that what happens is this, when you re review something every day, it's just like I always say to do something every day, what really happens is this, once you take that first step to review one thing, like say it's a limitation, then yeah, you start going through all your limitations. Say just one memory item, well then you start going through all your memory items. So what should you review six months in advance? Let's start with this. You have to have everything that needs to be memorized 100%. Uh, I know there's exams that you have to get 100% on. Those are limitations and memory items. Those have to be 100%. Uh, there's other things that you only need 80% knowledge on. And this is what I feel you should do. You should have 100% knowledge on all those other items. Uh, you can go through your study guides at work. Many airlines have different study guides uh, for the different reviews, for the different procedures and, and the systems. So you're going to have to have all this knowledge. So first of all, memorize those things you have to memorize. Then systems knowledge, go through that, go through those either study guides or whatever guides that you have or the manuals. Uh, you have your, your manuals for the airplane. You have your operations manuals. Just kind of go through all those things that you remember in your initial training, those things that you were tested on, things you struggled with. Start making those things your strengths and start really studying hard uh, those items that you may have been a little bit soft on. I've been on this plane that I'm flying now for about seven years. My last plane I was on for almost 10. And I tell you what, you never can learn enough about an airplane. You're always learning something new. It's really interesting to fly with a captain that's very senior uh, or a first officer that has a lot of time on the airplane. 
And uh, they, you see them do something, and you're like, wow, why did you do that? It says, well, this is how the airplane actually reacts. And it's like, gosh, I never saw that. And that comes from experience. So there's this minimum amount of training, and then there's experience. And that's where, when you're in the simulator, too, you learn so much. Or you're in training in general, getting all these stories from different people. It's, it's absolutely wonderful. But six months prior, I want you to start memorizing things. I want you to have that down cold. What that does for you is two things. Number one, it allows you to pass tests. That's obvious. Number two... It makes you relax. Now you know that you have this. You got it down pat. You are ready for your training, so you don't have to worry about memorizing your limitations, etc. Honestly, I've been remiss in times I haven't done this. I mean, for instance, for me, I've been in this plane for a while, so I didn't start my recurrent studying till a month prior. And uh, I was studying a little too much prior to the training, uh, a couple days before, a uh, week before. I was, I was just taking too much time out of my personal life. So when you do the training, when you get ready for the training, excuse me, six months prior, it enables you to maybe do an hour, two hours, and then have a regular life. Whereas if you do it right before the training, you may have to cram like 12 hours prior to the training. And that's, it's not going to sink in. You, know, uh, you want to be able to also correlate things uh, through all this studying that you're doing. For instance, say there's a hydraulic system that you're studying and you want to understand how that hydraulic system is affected by the electrical system. Well, a lot of times you won't understand that if you just memorize that the hydraulic system, one, uh, if it's shut off, then uh, the electric pump comes on and that electric pump is powered by such and such a system. Well, uh, when you have a deeper knowledge, you may understand that if you have a generator failure, what's going to happen to that electric hydraulic pump if your engine-driven pump fails. See? That's a kind of complex kind of situation and you're going to you're going to really dig in trying to learn those things. That's getting to the deep end of the pool and those are the kind of things that uh, you start asking once you really start understanding the systems. That's where I want you to be. I don't necessarily want you going that deep into the pool, but I do want you to get to the point where you start asking those questions because that means you're ready for your recurrent training. That means now you're starting to really understand these systems. You're asking why. You're not just memorizing a question and an answer. Uh, so really, one of the things you'll notice, too, when you're getting ready for your recurrent is I know you want to impress the examiner, but you won't. I mean, the examiner has so much more knowledge than you on the airplane because this is what they do all day. You know, if you're like an instructor, you're teaching all day, you're going to have the answers to these questions. They're going to come right off the, the tip of your tongue. Boom. Out. You know, but when you're not doing these things all the time, you have to look things up. So another important thing I want you to do, if you are in an exam and you don't know an answer, uh, tell them you know where to look it up. Obviously, those things you got to memorize. You can't look that up. But if you don't know the answer, make sure you know where to find it. That's actually half of the battle here with aviation um, and airlines. So you have to find out where to find that information in all your different manuals. So start six months prior. But one thing I want you to do, when you start training six months prior, and I have this issue. Um, you know, I have family. They're like, well, why, why are you studying? You've been flying the plane for so long. Well, this is what you need to do to answer your non-flying friends and family. Questions about, you know, why do you have to go to recurrent and why are you studying so much? You really need to tell them a couple things. Number one, if you don't pass a training, you're going to lose your job and you don't want to do that. So that's one of the more important things. But also tell them this. 
is that a lot of people think it's kind of like driving a car. You know, once you know how to drive the car, you know how to drive the car. Well, uh, the airplane's a lot more complex than a car. It's a lot more complex than, than, say, any other larger vehicle that you've actually driven before because there's so many other things that come into place. You have many different systems, electrical, hydraulic, pneumatic. You have many different things that you have to learn and understand. When those systems fail, you have to have an uh, understanding as to how it affects other systems in the airplane. How does a certain certain hydraulic system affect your electrical system. You're like, well, that can't be. Well, yeah, some airplanes it does. Certain hydraulic systems can affect your electrical system in certain ways. And you can, and the airplane that I'm on has that, has that scenario. So one of the things I really want you to do is, is talk to your friends, talk to your family and, and tell them why uh, you need to start studying. Not only that, you start talking about what you're going through in the training. And when you do that, they'll start saying, wow, that's, that's uh, interesting. So you just start saying like, well, you know, I have to know how many pets I can have in the cabin. Uh, we go through those scenarios. I have to know what type of pets, what type of service animals, what type of emotional support animals I have. You know, if somebody gets sick over the ocean and we're out of VHF coverage, how do I contact somebody so they can help me out? If, if they use the oxygen bottle in the back to attend to a customer, what do I need to do when I land? You know, how many oxygen bottles do I need? What type of weather minimums do I have? How do I keep this, this safe? I'm going to travel all the way over the Atlantic and land somewhere, and how do I know what the weather's going to be? I have to read the weather forecast. I have to know that I'm, I'm legal. If I'm doing ETOPS, I have to know all of my points and if I'm, if I'm going to be close enough to an alternate. You know, where, what happens if my alternate goes down? In other words, the weather gets too bad, the air, airport is shut down. Then what do I do? I have an in-route alternate. What happens? Then I have to have to change that route. Well, how do I do that? I'm over the water. I can't really talk to anybody that easily because I'm on HF. Those are the type of things you go through. You're flying along. Here's a good story. Uh, you're flying along. Uh, flight attendant calls you. Somebody's having a heart attack in the back. You need to get on the ground right away. It's an emergency situation. Soon after that, you lose an engine. So now you have a heart attack and a lost engine. You've got 150 people, 200 people in the back, 300, whatever, that you, you are now responsible for and trying to get this airplane on the ground. So you have to prioritize these different scenarios. You have one person's having a heart attack. You have a whole plane load that may not make it if you don't do your procedures right as far as the engine failure or fire. And so you get it on the ground, you have to constantly change your prioritization. You have to constantly go through this, this, this scenario of reassessing your situation. Because in reality, what we do as pilots is we're constantly evaluating situations and making decisions. And that's really what you're being tested on. Obviously, you have to fly the plane, the physical part of flying. We know that you know, 80% is taught in the beginning. You know, you go back to certain things like hand flying, uh, single engine procedures that we don't do that often, uh, uh, rejects, <clears throat> fires, etc. Those are the kind of things that we have to go through and we don't do very often. So there's another reason you need to study because it's not every day your engine blows up. Thank God. It's not every day you have a rapid decompression, but when it happens, you know what to do. Uh, it's not every day that you have a hydraulic failure, but you know what to do. It's rote, and that's what we need to do. We need to make sure that you're safe in the back, and that's what you can tell your friends and family. We need to make sure that you're safe in the back, and what we rely upon is our training, and this is why we're going through some of this training here. Uh, so it's And it's a lot tougher than you think. I mean, there's a lot. Uh, one of the things that always bothers me is people saying how easy, quote-unquote, this job is. It's super easy when there's no weather, everything works, and there's no uh, mechanical failures. Uh, there's very rarely you go on a trip that something mechanically uh, doesn't fail. So it could be something small, it could be something big. When that mechanical failure happens, you have to figure out, okay, how does this affect my flight? 
And how does it affect both the safety, the legal, legality of the flight, and what do I do next? And that's what we're doing in training. You know, you're, you're flying along and you lose a uh, flight control system. Do you have another flight control system for the backup? What if you lose the backup flight control system? Now what do you do? How do you control the aircraft? Those are the kind of things we go through. So to answer your non-flying friends' questions, why do you have to go through recurrent? Other than the fact it helps you keep your job and the FAA mandates it, it's so that we can keep our passengers safe and also realize that this environment as an airline pilot is incredibly dynamic. We are constantly orchestrating this this flight and and we're the conductor and we're the person that's that's responsible for all the bags the ground crew the gate agents the flight attendants the passengers and things are constantly changing and sometimes you have multiple things come up we don't do that in training uh, we do it uh, as far as when we're tested we can do multiple failures in training just uh, for just you know practice but that's not something we're tested on so what if you do have a f- total flight control failure what if you have all hydraulic systems fail what do you do if you have both engines fail. You know, those are the kind of things you go over, and that's the that's the type of thing we're trained on. And so, you, what you want to do is just continually talk to the person, tell them what it is you do on a, a consistent basis. But I think sometimes we uh, uh, demean the the and degrade, I should say, the uh, profession as a whole because we tell people how easy it is. You know, ninety five percent of the time it's easy. You know why? Because it's good weather and things don't break. It's that five percent of the time. That's when you earn your paycheck. It's that. That's when you really earn your paycheck. When something goes wrong, you have to make a decision quickly about something. It could be a security issue. Uh, there could be many different issues. So you learn all about that in your training. Training is days long. Uh, also, recurrent training throughout the year. You're giving uh, many companies now uh, do a process of online training, where you're given exams throughout the year on average. Average pilot is doing at least one quiz or exam every month, and that averages out. So maybe uh, every quarter you do three or four exams. Then once a year you go, you do an oral exam, etc. It's a very stressful environment. Uh, so you really, by telling them this, by sitting down, just explaining all that you go through in training and talk about all those things, and they finally realize, wow, this is this is something else. So that's what you're doing. You're motivating your friends, friends and family. Also, another thing you need to do is this. Sometimes pilots are your worst enemy. In general, in this career, we know that. Don't listen to other pilots uh, when they say, hey, it's easy. Don't worry about it. You'll get through it. I think maybe what they're trying to do is, is, is motivate you and encourage you. Um, what I think they should say is that to make it easier, you should study. Um, and I think I know you can do it as long as you study. I think that's what they're trying to say. It's easy as long as you study, that kind of thing. Um, but don't just take that at face value. Ah, do it a couple of weeks before. Uh, because the ones that say it's easier, a lot of times the one that that study the most. Also, another thing: don't be afraid of it, of asking for additional training. You've heard from everybody, hey, how easy this is. But if you're having an issue with something, I've done it myself. If I had an issue with something, I just go out and I retrain on whatever item that may be. Uh, maybe it's uh, uh, rapid decompression. You uh, you want to go over rapid decompression, stalls, uh, steep turns, uh, hydraulic failures. It's a fear of yours. Oh, or, or a uh, Thrust reverser deployment in flight after takeoff, uh, something that I was always curious about. And I, I said to the instructor, hey, listen, if we have time, can we do a couple of those? Sure, let's go do that. Now that I've done those, I've experienced those in the sim, I know what to expect. Those are the kind of things you, you should ask for for additional training. Also, if you feel like you're um, you're not ready to, 
for your check ride or not ready for your checking event, whatever that may be during your recurrent training, just tell them, hey, you need additional training. Put the put your hand up. Uh, that way, it doesn't really go into your uh, you know training records that you've actually uh, you know failed a certain you know item on your on your training. Everybody needs retraining in something. You're going to make a mistake somewhere. Uh, we're we're not all perfect, and we can't know everything. So don't feel bad. Just go ahead and do it. If you do something and you mess up. Don't beat yourself up over it. I know it's hard not to. I know all of us that have have had a, a test that they didn't pass uh, in anything in life. It's uh, it really it's tough. It really you really get down. It's almost as bad as when you finally check your you know pass your check ride the next day. You're just like, oh, now what? It's the same thing, but it's in the opposite direction. Now you're like, man, why did it do that? Uh, instead of beating yourself up, get out and start studying and take you know take ownership, move forward. So with that note, let's talk about some of the some of the bad things and um, and what to do. So what so during this process of recurrent training, normally if you have an issue, uh, you can get some additional training. If there is an issue during the training, what will happen is you possibly uh, and many times will do what's called dequal. You know, to keep current in an aviation job, you have to do a ton of training all year long. Um, and if you're out of flying for a couple of years, you have to go through the training process all over again. Because another thing that our friends out there, non-flying friends, don't realize is things change all the time. You come back after 24 months, you're not going to know how to fly this plane in the manner in which your company wants you to fly it in. Because there's so many things that are changing continually to make things safer, etc. So what happens when you do get dequaled? What do you do next? Uh, if you have somebody at like a union, et cetera, you might want to call them and say, hey, this is what happened, uh, because there is that possibility of the termination process starting. We're talking about your first recurrent, so many times you're on a probationary status when you're doing your first recurrent, and you once you finish your first recurrent, you're off that probationary status. Uh, the first year at many airlines, you can be fired for any reason, and this is one of them, not making it through a recurrent. Uh, this is uh, one way companies actually can you know, find the, the weaker links and get rid of them. But also, uh, if you aren't successful, it could have been just a, a mess up. That day was bad, et cetera. You know, we kind of go back to those things. You know, those are the type of things we look at. Um, was your training unsuccessful because you didn't study? And uh, are you remorseful about it or you just didn't want to study? There's a good chance you'll get uh, could get terminated if it's if it's the latter. You're not remorseful at all. And, uh, you know, you're just like, hey, listen, I just didn't feel like studying. This should be easier than it is. Uh, And I've seen those scenarios play out. Uh, especially when, you know, having two, you know, having been a union rep and having two pilots in the room, one pilot says, Hey, listen, I messed up. I should have studied and I didn't. Well, the company said to him, Hey, listen, okay, that's fine. You're terminated. Uh, you can reapply in six months and you can come back and then we'll put you back into the company and we'll, we'll call it a day. The other person, they said, you're not eligible for rehire. Goodbye. Try another airline. So what if that does happen to you? What if you do get terminated because of an unsuccessful recurrent training? Is that going to ruin your career? I get that question every so often uh, because it happens. You know, it, it just happens during recurrent or during any type of training event. It doesn't ruin your career. Okay. You, you still can move forward. The most important thing you need to do is this. Number one, take ownership of it. What happened? Why did it happen? What are you going to do to change? And if the person that, say you're moving, the job you're moving on to, the person's looking at you and saying, okay, 
what you explain to me why you had an unsuccessful training event. What did you do so that you'll have a successful training here at this company? And those are the kind of questions you really need to actually be able to answer. You know, why did it happen? One of the things we don't want to see is you blaming everybody else and not yourself. It could be somebody else's fault. I get it. You have an instructor doesn't like you and they're going to try to, you know, fail you on something. Maybe this is their way of the company getting rid of you. Maybe the company doesn't like you for some reason. I don't know. Maybe you said something bad about the CEO uh, and, and they're and you got a target on your back, uh, that kind of thing. But it, obviously there's uh, people there that can protect you for that. But the um, this won't stop your career. It's going to change things. Uh, you will have to do a little bit more as far as the effort towards moving on to another airline, but there are airlines you you can get hired. Just because you weren't successful at one airline doesn't mean you won't be successful at another airline. Uh, there's a good example is, uh, you know, you look at an airline that has a high rate of failures. Maybe there's something in their training uh, that's an issue. Who knows? Uh, maybe there's an instructor there with a high rate of failures. Maybe you can get sick the day that they're going to put you with that instructor. I'm, I'm just kidding. Maybe you can request another instructor is what you should do. But really... You know, look at all those different things. But when you come up with your explanation to somebody, uh, tell them why. You know, you had an instructor you didn't get along with. You should have requested another instructor. Uh, this is an instructor that fails a lot of people. You should have requested somebody else. If you have a failure, no matter what it is, if it's in recurrent training or you fail your upgrade or whatever it is, you still can move forward with your aviation career. You just have to be ready for that interview question as to have you ever had a failure, training failure, or failed a check ride? If you say yes, explain why and what you did to change that and to move forward. So let's move forward from there. Just uh, make sure that you're, you're ready for that next interview, that next step in your life. Um, but if that does happen, it's not over. I know it's very disappointing. Um, it's just like getting furloughed. Your career is not over. If there's a recession, just we've had uh, many recessions in the past and furloughs have started, it's, it's not going to end your career as long as you take steps now to move forward in your career. Uh, so that's really, really important. One of the most important things now that we've gone over all this negative stuff, I want to make sure you do this. When you're, when you're studying, think positively. Think like, yeah, I can do this. If you started too late studying, you, you, know, you need to ramp it up. But if you start studying six months in advance and start looking at things, go in a quarter hide, say to your family, hey, listen, this is a good job. I get paid really well. There's a lot of responsibility. I need to study for this or else I'm going to lose my job. Uh, so you really need to communicate that to people. Uh, a lot of people just don't understand it, and it's just the way it is. Uh, they don't understand the job that we have. They don't understand the incredible amount of training that we go through and the consistent training that we go through as airline pilots and uh, you know the, the fact that almost every month we're being tested on something. Uh, you know, it might be every three months you're taking four tests, but it averages out at least to once every month. You have, you can lose your medical obviously, but you can also lose your job. Say you don't pass a test. Uh, say you don't pass the training. Uh, there's, there's a lot of pressure. So, um, we sometimes, and this is kind of the way it is in the industry, like, ah, you know, that's easy. Ah, that's okay. You know, but in reality, uh, the people sometimes that are saying it's easy, they're, they're the ones that are sitting there training or actually practicing and, and studying really, really hard. Uh, so that's the thing I want you to do. So hopefully I've motivated you to, to look into you know successfully passing your recurrence. So what do you do? Do something every day. Review something. Start early. Try six months early. If it's a new airplane, definitely start six months early. 
Uh, and also try to motivate your friends and tell them all the things you do as an airline pilot. Tell them about the job because that's what we're training for is the actual job. Tell them what happens on the line. Uh, I know that we're, we don't want to share bad things with them, but if they understand that something does go wrong almost every time we go to work, there's some kind of a mechanical issue, there's some type of an issue with a with a passenger, a security issue, those are the things that we have to answer. Those are the problems that we have every day that we have to solve. If they understand that, then maybe they'll understand better what we need to do, to do as far as training is concerned. You know, it's, it was a little easier before for me to convince my family that I had to study. And I'll tell you why. You know, nowadays we have iPads and we can fit everything on the iPad. So what I used to do to motivate my friends and family is I would take my bags out and I would pick up all my manuals, my my <laughs> operations manuals, my airplane manuals, all the different charts and stuff. I would put it on the table and I'd say, I have to know all this before I go to training and I'm going to be tested on all this. Like, oh boy. Not only that, when they start realizing that as an airline pilot, there are certain exams that a a 99% is failure, 100% is passing. You have to get every single question correct on that part. Then on the other part, 80% is failure. And, or I should say 79, 80% is passing. You have to know all these different questions. Those questions could be hundreds and hundreds of questions, and they can be answered out of this big, large book. So you really have to know what you're doing. It's kind of like when you went to school and you took a final exam uh, to become whatever you wanted to become, like uh, an attorney, a doctor, you know, an architect, etc. You're basically doing that final exam over. It's not quite as intense, but it's just the, the same type of thing as how I like to tell people is that we basically are going through our final exams in college every time uh, we go to training. So that'll give them an idea how much you really should be studying. Uh, how much should you study? That's dependent on how you know the airplane. Uh, I'd also encourage one other thing, okay? If you're new to the airplane, um, please do a little something every month. Uh, just pick up a manual or while you're flying, uh, I want to challenge you to do this. Go to one of your systems and just look at it uh, and say, hey, you know, what about the hydraulic system? You're going to learn something about that system no matter what if you start looking up things. And you're going to become more curious and move on. They might call you a geek, but hey, that's okay. You know, maybe you could do the studying in the hotel room, whatever. Uh, if the person asks you why you're looking at that, you say, hey, you know, I'm just going through uh, recurrent training, so I want to uh, I want to look at this. Uh, so that that's what you need to do because uh, most times uh, we sometimes don't want to admit that we need to study a lot. And uh, But there are a lot of folks out there that realize, hey, that's good for you. Uh, you're studying, and I really appreciate that. So that's good that, that you're doing that. Um, anyway, and if you're in cruise, one of the few things we're allowed to look at, right, is our manuals, right? So there you go. You have all that time. If you've got a six-hour flight across the country, you got six hours to look at your manuals because that's about the only thing you're really supposed to be looking at. You're not really supposed to be surfing the Internet and that type of thing. Uh, so anyway, I hope this has helped. I hope it's helped you realize that what you need to do to be successful in your first recurrent training is start early, throughout the year, even start after you've finished your training, looking at a system and get everything memorized beforehand. Go to your family and friends, tell them why you need to study. Uh, go out and study in a room, show them what's going on, have them part of this process. And don't listen to the other pilots. Uh, they're the ones a lot of times that are studying the hardest that say it's easy. That's why it's easy for them because they study so much. Make sure you ask for additional training. And, and I know that you'll be successful when you do that. Over, over study and you'll be comfortable. I think that's really, really important. 
Well, gosh, I hope this has helped with your first recurrent training and being able to pass. But the most important thing that you can do, the most important thing you can do, I want you to do something every day when you're getting ready for your recurrent training. If it's not, if you don't have your manuals with you, say you're driving along, you're sitting in a park, you have nothing, then think about it in your head. These iPhones and uh, all the other devices, put some study materials on there. Pull it up, and it looks like you're texting your friends, and actually you're studying, uh, so people can think you're normal. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but you know, make sure you do something. Do something every day to get ready for your recurrent training. And if you're listening to this and you're not at the airlines, uh, you're in another part of the career in, in aviation, uh, just remember you're probably going to have to go through some kind of recurrent training, and I'm hoping this has helped you also think about that. Start early. Start now. But most importantly, I want you to do something. I want you to do something today to move forward in your career, and one of those things is studying for your recurrent training. Well, folks, thanks for listening. Safe flying. We'll talk to you next episode. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved. 